0: Carved out a niche for themselves in the mid 90s, landing somewhere in between grunge and indie rock. The hypnotic single Bound for the Floor was a Gen X anthem, cleverly using the word copacetic to exhibit a feeling of dissatisfaction with life. This two piece band made a lasting impression on this week's guest, Wells Maine's own Spos, even if this particular single wasn't the reason why.
2: On it is all you need to make the money guaranteed
0: And you can live off royalties Forever and it makes me wonder Zit shuts up wanders it one hit thunder? So Matt and Spose I feel like you guys are messing with me with this pick this week because as you know as Matt knows I don't know if Spose knows but I've been a bassist for 65% of my life, and you guys are picking a band without a bassist. What's up with that? Why? (laughs) I think that it's
3: awesome that there was a, what, almost a decade before the White Stripes made it fashionable, there was a two-piece band That had, like, specially built instruments to be able to play guitar and bass parts in in a
2: live
0: setting. Trying to make me irrelevant.
2: (laughs) Nobody needs a bassist. It's just for the looks. It's for the looks.
0: There's definitely bass in the song and in all their songs. So he had a special pickup on his guitar or something? Yeah, so...
3: So his friend modified his guitar f- for an added bass pickup and a second output into the uh, soundboards.
2: Oh, so it ran a whole separate output from the gu- So the guitar is two quarter inches Outputs. out. <laughs> yeah. Crazy. Wow.
3: Okay. So
0: I don't know. I'd have to see. I didn't see anything of like how this one, this two in one worked, but the song is Pretty cool. I feel like this is one of those stretches calling it a hit. How big of a hit was this song actually? Because I had to go back and listen to it. And believe me, this is from right in the wheelhouse of where I feel like I know most stuff. But I was like, yeah, I kind of remember this song, and it's definitely a strange song. But this was kind of a hit. Did it? Was it a buzz clip or what? <laughs> I would, if was I was to clip.
2: guess, and I've heard you guys reference this chart before on your phantom planet episode Uh at least where you were talking about um the modern rock airplay chart i would guess this was a at least top 10 on that chart at one
3: point yeah it was top 10 on the modern rock slash alternative it it did well on the radio songs chart this was the only time it appeared on radio songs which was such a short-lived metric again the more I do the podcast the more i find out about these like three to four year billboard charts that they would have that like Ultimately, I think just all became part of the Hot 100. So this song peaked. I forgot to actually write down where it peaked at, but it peaked on December 28th, uh, 1996. Uh, The number one song at the time was Don't Speak by No Doubt on the radio songs chart. So I think they were still in the top 10 on that specific chart. But the number one song in the world, or at least in the US on the Hot 100, was Tony Braxton with Unbreak
2: My Heart.
0: Okay. Sure.
2: Which is a highly inferior song to the previous Tony Braxton single, You're Making Me High.
0: Just yeah. Like it was a great era for Braxton. This yeah. this song is actually, uh, it's pretty it's pretty cool. I So I went back and I started from the beginning. And yes, this band on that first album, Ham Fisted, I don't know if you guys are familiar with that one. They sound completely like Nirvana. Like it is yeah. 100% <laughs> a Nirvana thing. And then... By the time this one came around, this song reminds me of, like, geez, that Midwest indie rock with the dissonant chords and the staccato rhythms. Like, it kind of reminds me. I don't know if you guys know this band. I actually really like this band, Knapsack. Do you remember Knapsack from the 90s? No. I don't know them. They were a 120 minutes band. They, they had, you'd always see them on there. That was 120 on minutes start, man. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, I, I was all about 120 minutes at that time. They definitely had a song on there called Cellophane. They went on later to start a band. The main guy had a band called The Jealous Sound, I think, later on. Anyway, it's just this... Way more of like an indie rock sound than that first thing that sounded like Nirvana.
2: Full disclosure about Local H: I had in that in this era, a and it was probably a couple years later, maybe like two thousand or something, a down an MP3 recording of them doing a full Nirvana covers show. So clearly, right. there was a. <laughs> They're fucking fans. There was a little bit of influence. You know, they're fans.
0: Yeah,
3: I love the, I would almost say the audacity of the fact that this band like started as a four-piece band of friends and then as members just quit, the two remaining dudes were like, fuck it, we're not even going to replace them. We're just going to keep going. I like that. (laughs) Can you imagine (laughs) how many
2: bands would have existed if every band could have done this? Yeah, right. (laughs) (laughs)
0: I'll tell you what I like about this band. Now, I did, despite the, the no bass player thing, which... They didn't even have a live bass player? Well, no. So I I found
3: some live videos. Here's the difference, I will say. White Stripes, you see White Stripes live. It is just Jack and Meg. There is no, like, tomfoolery that's happening (laughs) behind the stage. Mm -hmm. I pulled, like, three different videos of Local H playing... Bound to the Floor, and by the end of this song, there are five people on stage. (laughs) Like, they start off playing, but then he needed, like, another guitarist to come out and play the riff so he could do the solo riff, and then, like, another vocalist came out to, like, harmonize on the screaming at the end of the song, and then they just got the fuck off the stage, and they went back to playing as a two-piece. Gotcha. So... Yeah, they I guess they had to bring some touring musicians to get that full sound uh, that they pulled off in the studio a little bit. But and
2: also maybe that's a financial thing of you're just you're 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 on the charts and your label likes you so you can afford a couple other guys on stage. (laughs)
3: Right. Yeah. I'm sure in 2023, if you see them live, it's just the two piece with no uh, flair. It's less
0: mouths to feed. Right. Like, (laughs) I mean, less emotional
2: men around.
0: Right. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and one thing I do like about this band, first of all, they they don't claim Chicago as their hometown. They claim Zion, Illinois, which is just a small town in Illinois and that that is they're proud to be from this Zion place, which is a place where several of their other songs they reference. Fritz's Corner is there mm-hmm. because uh, Zion is a dry town, but Fritz's corner is a bar just on the edge of town so uh, I think that an entire album by them is about their hometown but I don't think it's yeah I don't well, think it's this even album.
3: this even this song I pulled a great quote from the song the the main Dude. Who said that the song is just about hanging out in crappy bars that you don't like and working at jobs you don't like and just getting married too soon. It was like a song about how he perceived the people that he went to high school with after high school. Like they just got shitty jobs, got married too soon and wasted their evenings getting drunk in the bar because of it.
0: Well, this, uh, that back to Zion for a second. Population 21,000 and the hometown of different Strokes star Gary Coleman. Hey,
2: oh. and yeah. <laughs> and local age, obviously. I, I I really respect this concept of repping a town nobody's ever heard of in a way, because that right. was like my whole thing when I came out. Was yeah. like, oh, I'm from now I'm not from Portland, Maine, which you've heard of right. maybe. I'm from Wells, yeah, Maine, course. and yeah. <laughs> and I and I would rep it like it was Brooklyn or Atlanta or L.A. or something. Be almost because you, it just presents you as something unique, essentially. So it's like yeah. they're not to be lumped in with. The pumpkins, or cheap trick, or whoever else you've ever heard of from Chicago, I guess, is probably their intention. Yeah.
0: I see. That's such a good, a good thought about that because you are by far the most famous person ever from Wells, Maine, right? <laughs> or am I wrong? Hands down,
2: that? bro. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, <laughs> although I, like that. I do know this girl who's a author, who's a Sarah Knight, and she um, is my friend's older sister from Wells. And she is this author who, if you go to any airport, all her books about like not giving a fuck or like, you know get your shit together are all for sale in every Oh, I know these books. Yeah, she's yeah. <laughs> she's pretty famous. I don't know. I might be number 2. Oh, man.
3: <laughs> Listen, I thought that I could easily take the title as of most famous person from Aston, Pennsylvania by having like 15 podcasts <laughs> and then my friend from high school had to go and become a pretty accomplished YA novel novelist. So it's these authors, man. They low key Yeah, I'm writing st- a book, man.
2: Fuck music.
0: <laughs> we toured with that band The Spill Canvas. And they are the most famous band, or they've sold the most albums ever of anybody ever from South Dakota. <laughs> <Boom>. <laughs> They're the biggest band of all time Boom. from South Dakota.
2: If I could just give my reason for picking this song for this, uh, yes. for this because sure. there was every song... By the way, every song I could think of you guys had covered, except for <laughs> Brand, Brand Band 3000, which I brought up, that is another... <laughs> Song that I feel like deserves a whole episode someday, even though I know literally nothing about that band. Local H on my alt rock station, 943 WCYY, that I listened to religiously growing up and I have it tattooed on my leg. Wow. WCYY, and also was the first station to ever play my song that made, you know, got me a record deal. uh, They played the first single from As Good as Dead by Local H, High Five and Motherfuckers, a lot and that was like the number one song like on the top five at five for weeks and i couldn't wait to hear it because i was like 10 and it's like you high five and mother like every day and so i got to <laughs> it was just all these swears it was just so exciting because there's so much swearing and it didn't sound like Nirvana at that point, right? By this album, they sound kind of different. So I had heard that and I'd heard Eddie Vedder, the single, which yeah. I would, even just for somebody to make a song called Eddie Vedder at that point was very meta, you know? Yeah. It, would be like, it was like uh,
0: at, as Eddie Vedder was happening. It wasn't like in yeah. retrospect, Eddie Vedder was happening right then. Yeah,
2: it'd be like naming it Doja <laughs> Cat right now.
0: Yes. Yeah.
2: Right. The like, context yeah. of Bound for the Floor was like, oh, this is like the shittiest song by Local H that's been on the radio yet. <laughs> In my mind, I was like, all right, this one's all right. But like, I really liked those other ones. And I I bought the album, and which was scandalous for me to have this, you know, all, with all the swearing and the explicit lyric sticker. And yeah. um, I was a, I was a fan. But what really, really, really made me a fan of Local H, and I'm sure you guys have felt this a million times with bands where the song everybody knows is like, oh, that's not their best song. You know, like... The Toadies, for example, you know, or like whatever, you know, what really made me a big fan of Local H was the album Pack Up the Cats, which came out a few years later. We've had this happen a couple times on this show. And the one that always jumps to my
3: mind is when we did the American Hi-Fi episode. Local H is absolutely one of those bands where it is so worth checking out the albums they put out after they were famous because they just really refine their sound. They also, they had these like brief moments where they were getting recognized again because they did like a really great cover of toxic by Britney Spears. That's right. They did an awesome cover of Chicago's 25 or or six to four. Like they, they constantly were like flirting with being big. Yes. <laughs> again, yeah, yeah, this, yeah, but yeah. no pick up the cats. I mean, I wrote down the whole, that whole thing is a wild story because that was like, they they got a chance to do a follow-up album. They do this album. It's a concept album that was produced by Queen's producer.
0: Yeah, Roy Thomas Baker.
3: And then just as it was about to be released, their record label went through a merger and it caused the album to just get delayed and then they just kind of dumped it. Like It was like, ah. Uh,
2: Does it say what the label
3: was and what the merger was? I think they were on Island at the time. Right.
0: Yeah. Well, they were on Polydor. So Polydor, it was crazy. They were part of so many mergers. So Local H made a demo in 1994. Polydor heard it. They immediately signed Local H because of this demo. And then at that same moment, Polydor merged with Island. So then this album, you know, the album with Bound for the Floor, that's what the song's called. Yeah, yeah. That album came out on Polydor Island, I guess. But yeah, like Matt said, before this album that was produced by Roy Thomas Baker, pack up the cats, right? That's the one with all the kids are right. Yeah. I came out Polydor then merged with universal and this merger was not good for local H. Well, maybe you could
2: speak to this experience too, but I I mean, firsthand I was on a label that, that not to say a merger happened, but a different ownership came in. Mm -hmm. And basically when the staff who was there for you and champion in signed you and, and, care and and gets you is gone you're just a number you're just you just become a numerical value on the label and and the biggest story of this in in my life anecdotally isn't even me it's um the band i grew up listening to that was the biggest band ever from maine uh that was on that same radio station i'm talking about was uh the rustic overtones this incredible like local band this guy dave gutter who's in my band now is the lead singer songwriter and they signed to reprise records i want to say and then they got yeah bought or they merged with like tommy boy or something and all they end up in this in the room with you know clive davis and like who's like oh we're gonna make you guys bigger than you know and it was like either them or like, you know in all these crazy scenarios but essentially when the guy who was their guy at the label leaves you're now just how many records did you sell okay not enough fuck you you know or and they had a yeah. they had an album they had made that was going to be this huge thing that they were going to put all this effort behind, and David Bowie's on it twice. I mean, this is like a this was like how who, David Bowie's done like twenty features ever, you know. And so he's yeah. like yeah. on their album, and and uh, it was going to be this big thing. And then the you know the labels merge and you don't matter anymore. So I, I'm sure Local H could tell us like a hundred stories about that shit. The one that I
3: heard that I, I was as someone who's not even remotely tied to the music industry. When I heard this story, I'm like, Oh, that's fucked up is before they were willing to work on a third album with local H Island asked them to do a showcase performance for right. the label that they were already signed to. Right. <laughs> and the dude was just like, yeah, we're not doing that.
2: It'd be like, It'd like, If your <laughs> wife's like, Hey, could you like win me over again? You know (laughs) Yeah. Uh
3: the one thing I do want to shout out Spin Magazine and the Chicago Tribune both ranked it as one of the best albums of that year. And we're talking like nineteen ninety-eight. There's some great records coming out in the late nineties, and this was one of their top picks for the whole year. An album that got
0: no promotion when it came out. That's the album with All the Kids Are Right on it. Right. right? All the Kids Are Right, which
2: is a great like pop rock you know, alt rock song, but like that first song, all right. Oh yeah. Which the literally the lyrics are all right. Oh yeah. is like a banger, but the offspring also got away with having huge hits where the, the hook is. Yeah. And so did Nirvana. (laughs) So
0: did you guys watch the music video for all the kids are right? No, No. maybe
2: I saw it back in the day. You
0: gotta watch it. It's insane. It is a video. I don't know how they did this, especially in the nineties. Now I, maybe I would see with like technology, a little bit more but it is a video where they are the band they are the bouncers and they are the entire crowd there's just like there's just like hundreds of those two guys moshing with each other in the crowd it is a it's a wild music video it's really good
2: i just looked at the clip on youtube and yeah i remember it now and that blew my mind i remember it blowing my mind a but like <laughs> knowing now like a little more about like music videos and production and that must have taken forever
0: yeah to do <laughs> yeah it's it, it looks like a really they, they put a lot of money into that video i saw later on a video for them for a song called innocence like innocent plural not innocence like the concept okay. Okay. and it's michael shannon is in it michael shannon is the star of the music video you know star <laughs> of boardwalk empire and i don't know he's been oh, in wow. a lot of things at this point but uh,
2: this makes me want to go find a podcast of local h talking because like what the fuck <laughs> like, <laughs> well <laughs> their their career is probably i mean it would mostly
3: just be was it Scott Lucas because that yeah. dude just has been recycling through drummers for about 15 right. years but <laughs> he's he's charging forward ahead and i do appreciate as like a dude who just loved alternative radio so very much the fact that this band's name is just the combination of two of their favorite uh, R.E.M. songs mashed together. Wow. Uh, I also appreciate, they said the name came from Oddfellows Local 151 and Swan Swan H. They were just like, oh, let's just combine those two song titles into Local H. A band that could not sound less like R.E.M. if
0: they tried, <laughs> yeah, but I love it. <laughs> I So after all this went down with their major label experience and they... Continued, I mean, Scott Lucas anyway, continued releasing albums on indie labels since then. I saw in 2013, he was attacked and robbed after playing a show in Russia. And during the attack, he lost his voice and sustained damage to his vocal cords. So I don't know if he like got punched in the throat or was yelling or what happened, but eventually got his voice back, but he had to cancel a bunch of shows. But here's what I think is really crazy. And I watched, you can watch this on YouTube too. In 2017, local H did five dates of a Metallica tour because they won a contest to get on that tour. I think it was like one of those what? fan voting type things. And <laughs> it was funny. Cause I saw, you could find this interview on YouTube. I don't think it was WGN, but it was one of those like local Chicago stations had Scott Lucas on (laughs) and basically Scott Lucas looks like a weathered. I don't mean that in a mean way. He just looks like a guy who's been in a band for 30 plus years, has really seen it all. Very serious. Just sitting there and the guy interviewing him, it's just talking about like, so you, you guys won this contest to open for Metallica. How are you feeling about it? It's just like, I think the guy interviewing him has no idea that the guy was in a band that was like on MTV in the nineties. Yeah. He's like, I'm sad. I'm kind of sad about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I had yeah, to right. do a contest to go on tour for five days. Damn. <laughs> I mean,
2: I kind of relate, you know, a little bit.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Me too. I mean, I've had to do, yeah, we've all had peaks and valleys and stuff, but I, I just kind of felt, for Scott Lucas sitting there with this, like, dork interviewing him on the news. Just, you know, he could have asked him a thousand questions about, like, you've had this, like, 30-plus-year career. You've, like, had peaks and valleys and you've forged ahead and all this stuff. And he's just like, so, your fans voted and now you get to play. Are you excited to play? And he's kind of like, yeah, it's cool. Like, <laughs> it's going to be fun. He just did no research. Yeah, <laughs> right. Apparently, Local H does have a very strong following even till this day. They were they played the halftime show, the Bears Eagles wildcard playoff game in twenty nineteen. I mean, it's kind of a big deal. Wow. You know, that's like probably sixty thousand people or something. I mean, I'd love to play an NFL playoff game. It's it's pretty wild. And I saw that they released in twenty twenty, they released their album Lifers, uh, which was produced by Steve Albini and mixed by Jay Robbins. Whoa. Yeah, two legends were worked on this album. So I think it's pretty cool, like The album's called Lifers. The dude is obviously a lifer. You know, I kind of think of myself that way. And a lot of people I know, I think of that way. Suppose, do you consider yourself a lifer at this point?
2: I made a song called that like a month ago. Yeah. It's just like, uh,
0: (laughs) well, because you at some point
2: realize that you are a lifer, you know, it's like you in a way at first you kind of get caught up in like the, all right, I got to get this and I got to get, it's got to be, if I could just get back to, you know, and, and at some point you realize like, oh, I'm just here for life you know and so i i I definitely relate to that and and also it's absolutely insane that steve albini did their album in 2020 and i follow (laughs) i've followed local h on twitter for like a decade just as a fan and they're always out slugging like touring i don't know who else is in the band but he's always out touring and he did like a I think it was like a twenty-year anniversary of some album, or I forget what it was, but they're out there, man. Just, he's still trying. You gotta love that, and I, I'd love to talk
3: about the actual song "Bound to the Floor" yes. for a couple seconds because, honestly, the song. Two big things. First of all, if someone's like, "Oh, I don't know this song," the quick answer is it's the song that has the word "copacetic" yes, I was in it. Going because to talk you're about not, that, right? I think you that's
0: why never... this song is popular. It's using <laughs> that word copacetic i think that's why i think that's the main reason this song was like a semi-hit
3: also using it if you were to count
0: 48 times
3: well i was gonna say if you count the amount of words (laughs) in this song it is so repetitious there is i'm willing to bet that there are about 30 words in the entire song that are just repeated over and over again because even the the first and second verse which it's only two verses and a chorus a lot um they're almost identical verses with like slight word changes. Like it's born to be down. Learned to my lessons before now is verse one. And verse two is born to be down. I think that I've said this before now. And then the second half of the verse is born to be down. I think you'd get used to it or Born to be Down, What Good is Confidence? And then the rest is just them repeating the just don't get it, keep a copacetic. And you don't. Yeah, and you don't.
0: (laughs) It's like hypnotic sounding almost. Yes. The rhythm and the dissonant chords, there's something that just puts you in a mood and keeps you there, you know? And I think that that's the point because even think about the music video. The
3: music video where like those kids on that fucking playground thing that just spins around and around and around like- It is this, like, I get what he's saying. Like, lyrically, I don't totally get the, like, oh, it's about, like, living in a crappy town, going to the same crappy bar, working a crappy job, and, like, getting married too soon. Like, I don't get that from the lyrics, but I get it from the vibe of just, like, this is just this repetitious spot that you're stuck in, and you can't escape it, and... Credit where credit's due, the vocal delivery as this song builds to the final part point where he is just screaming his fucking lungs out to close out the song. Like it is a for what is a very simplistic, repetitive song, it is so well structured.
2: Yeah, I think his voice is the the yeah. selling point of this band. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think it really always has been is his voice is this not quite Kurt Cobain, almost slacker, more slacker, more regular guy. Cobain thing and the, I mean, I do get the, you just don't get it. You keep it copacetic. You learn to accept it. You know, you're so pathetic as like, Oh, I've just accepted this boring middle, you know, yeah. Zion life. You know,
0: <laughs> this song is Gen X as hell. This yeah. Is, right. This is yeah, very is. Gen X. One more thing that I wanted to note about this, because I've heard a lot of artists talk about this on, on the, on the podcast that I produce that, at this era where they were signed, they had released that Ham Fisted album, the album that sounded like Nirvana, and they were touring with that band Tripping Daisy. You guys remember Tripping Daisy? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That became
3: Polyphonic Spree. Whoa. Which is crazy. <laughs> yeah.
0: Because That's what happens Tripping
2: when you trip. I mean, it sounds like a
0: natural yeah. progression. of
2: <laughs>
3: Yeah,
0: right. <laughs> uh, Damn. But they were, do- they were touring with Tripping Daisy, but about six months into the touring cycle for that album, The label, Polydor, told them they got to get back in the studio because at that era, this doesn't happen anymore. But in that era, especially with major labels, they would develop bands. So you sold whatever. You sold 100,000 of this album. Okay, next album we're going to sell 200,000. Now it doesn't really happen anymore. Now it's like you got your chance. Okay, that didn't hit. You're you're gone. You and know then that, you
2: either That's not
3: the
0: you way you either falter entirely
2: or you become some massive indie thing on your own, you know, using that catapult. Right.
3: This song this Bound to the Floor song was one of the songs that was banned by Clear Channel after September eleventh, and I feel Like it just has to be the general vibe of the song because there's nothing in the lyrics that would it's make got me to just be that. the title, yeah. Bound to the floor, ba- I like, guess. Bound, like, like people like yeah.
2: jumping out of buildings, crashing into the floor. Like, I don't dude, know. they
3: were picking when you look at that <laughs> list, some of the songs that they decided to ban it's almost that's such a stretch. comedically insulting. It's a big stretch. <laughs> such I a can't stretch. believe they banned Let the Bodies Hit the Floor. I mean, no, I'm just <laughs> yeah,
0: like, <laughs> even that's a stretch. and
3: every Rage Against the Machine song. That's like, yeah, if you look at the full list, every Rage Against it's We've got to get people of the
2: sun out of here. It might inspire <laughs> yeah. brown people. If I could just conclude my thoughts on Bound for the Floor. Sure, sure, sure. I don't like this song. I don't know how it's huh. like a I don't know how it's like this massive hit. I understand the I like the when the chords kick in and it becomes the and you don't part, but like even on the album, I wouldn't skip to it. You know, it's like I liked all it really. I picked it to come here and advocate for Local H, the rest of Local H's catalog, (laughs) um, because I think it's representative, especially as somebody who I only ever got to number 36 on the Billboard chart. But somebody who a lot of people only know for one specific thing that isn't truly representative of what they do. Although I think Local H is, is, you kind of get the taste that it is all right, it's an alt rock band with a dude who has this, you know, cool voice and kind of downer lyrics, but, um, you know, I, 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 I just, this song never, I never understood why this was like, I was like, the lyrics aren't that great. (laughs) Like the, I I was like, I don't know. I kind
0: of understand though. I kind of understand. If you think about that era, if you think about, the slacker attitude of the nineties. If you think about, if you think about the way the characters on my so-called life act, that that is the the sound of this song, the dissonant chords, the whatever man sort of feeling. I feel like this song really exhibits that. And
3: I've, I've talked about this on this show a thousand times, but 1994 to 1997 is possibly my favorite period of time on radio. And Same. it is not an accident that they got signed in 1994 because they're living in a post-Kurt Cobain suicide world where every label is trying to find who's going to be the next Kurt Cobain and would sign bands that there was zero chance they would have ever signed under any other aspect. So it shocks me very little that this was the single that they were pushing for exactly what Chris said. Great this, call. this is the closest where it's like, I don't know, this is close to a Smells Like Teen Spirit type vibe where the lyrics kind of make no sense, and it's a simplistic guitar riff, but it's got this angsty, fuck the world type energy but behind it. The
0: word it. copacetic just sounds angsty. Like, yeah. I don't even know if everyone knows what... Do you guys know what the definition of copacetic is? I looked it up is? in whatever year it was. I like went and looked it up. <laughs> it's in excellent order is the definition, which it would be like... What, what I, I looked at what the sample sentence was, but he said to tell you everything is copacetic, meaning in excellent order. Everything's everything's all fine. right. I would have thought maybe it means. Yeah, I guess I would have assumed that's what it means in context. Yeah. Boring would have been kind of what I thought.
3: Yeah, or, like, keeping it together. Like, yeah, you, you try to keep it together, but you know that it's it's fallen apart or whatever. I mean, great job. I mean, copacetic rhyming with pathetic, I am all on
2: board with Bars. that. Bars. Bars. I mean, you make a great point, though, that, like, 94 to 96, the, like, aesthetic of, like, uh like, obviously loser by Beck, um even self-esteem by The Offspring. All of Dookie. I was going to say, I'm brain farting on the song from Dookie where he's jerking yeah. off and he's in his house. Oh, yeah. Longview. Long View. Long You've got Longview. Long View. What
0: about the movies? What about the movies? Think about, what's the movie we always complain about, Matt, with Ben Stiller and Ethan Hawke? Oh, Reality Bites. Reality Bites. With the, yeah. worst, the, the perfect, worst ending the of like, this guy who's been...
3: Yeah, this this dude's been super supportive and has really helped my career, but he's a suit. So I want to get with the dude who's treated me like
2: trash
0: (laughs) the entire movie. The dude is just like, fuck the world. And it is
2: crazy because that era only ended when we found something little more exciting, which was like the movie Go and like train spotting and like doing drugs and (laughs) and, and now doing techno version of the alt rock. (laughs)
3: yeah Yeah, great because yeah you're right like you hit 97 it's like prodigy comes out and all things considered a that prodigy album was getting played on a lot of alternative radio because it felt grungy in a weird way and the lyrics are in no way less whatever fuck the world attitude in the song Well, an
2: alternative rock radio which also was similar i mean it's i always try to explain mtv to like people who are younger i'm like you don't understand (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like MTV decided everything that was popular. Yeah. What yeah. celebrities were And it were didn't popular. translate
3: to the charts. That's the craziest part about MTV. Like people get this tunnel vision. It's like the thing that gets us into fights on our Facebook page is people are like, how can you say blank is a one hit wonder? What about all of these videos? And I was like, no one was buying the singles for these songs. Right. Right. <laughs> like, right. Yeah. Nirvana only had, what was it, Chris? We we looked, Nirvana had three songs that crossed off of modern rock radio into like
2: mainstream. One of
3: them was 100.
0: that, one of that was that the posthumous, uh, you, you know, you're right. You know, you know you're, you're right.
2: right. Yeah. The live version of aneurysm.
0: Yeah. It's like for a band
3: that was so massive, like same thing with Weezer. The first song Weezer ever had to make it onto the Billboard Hot 100 was Beverly Hills, Hills, which is so stupid,
2: which is so stupid because it's like at that point, we've (laughs) already been through the Blue Album, Pinkerton and even Hash Pipe and Island in the Sun.
0: (laughs) Buddy Buddy Holly was such an iconic 90s MTV music video, too. It was like computers came with it. I forgot about that. They did your computer. If you
2: got a computer, a Windows computer, it came with just the only video on it is the Buddy Holly video.
0: <laughs> what? They pulled a U2. Why isn't everyone mad at Weezer right. about right. that?
3: They're all <laughs> mad at, at Weezer. Now. There's a way better video than the Songs of Innocence album was. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a U2 fan and that album is trash.
0: You think if if it would have been a better U2 album people wouldn't have been so mad about it? it was, I
3: think if it was like, "Hey, we're just going to download Joshua Tree yeah. on all of your phones." People would've been like, "All right, cool." <laughs> like, yeah. But it was like the worst album they've ever recorded instead. Uh <laughs> but no, I mean I I think that most of the people who do this show and most of the people who listen to this show we all kind of grew up in that same alternative rock bubble so it it is hard to to like separate like what were we listening to that was specifically catered to us versus like what on a mainstream level was and i remember when mca died i was talking to a friend who like exclusively listened to the radio and they had just announced that the Beastie Boys were going to ma- be put into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And in his perspective, he was like, they're just doing this because the one dude died. They literally haven't been relevant since, like, Sabotage. And I'm like, what about Intergalactic? What about, what? like, Body Move and, like, all these yeah. songs? He had no clue what I was talking about. He's like, "I've these Whoa. never show up on any radio that I've ever listened to. Right, right. And it's right. like that... It's that world that you have to think about is like, I always say,
2: like, would my mom know these other songs? No. <laughs> like, well, what? I am happy to be in the safe space where we all know this weird niche shit that nobody else <laughs> cared about. But, exactly. but it was it's wild because like me and I'm sure you had the same thing. You probably had a couple buddies. It was me and my buddy Zach B and my buddy Matt Sampson knew all this stuff. You know, and right. Zach yes. had the local H. He he bought Pack Up the Cats. I heard it at his house. I was like, "Oh my god, I got to get Pack Up the Cats." Or he got, or or the Beastie Boys, for example, like you know, there's like the Beastie Boys were for me like an entry point to all rap music. But for some people, the Beastie Boys are like their only rap music. But a particular type of alternative white people, you know. <laughs> but yeah. for Zach B, for my buddy Zach B, it was Beasties for life. Everything Beasties, everything they ever put out, you know, he was down with. And old Dirty Bastard, and that was pretty much it, you know.
0: I gotta tell you guys, I had on there's a channel on, I think Pluto, that just plays Portlandia on loop. And there is an episode that actually, I mean it was funny as hell, but it actually made me sad. Where do you know Alfred Armison plays the one character on there who's like the punk? I don't know yeah. if you yeah. guys watched Portlandia, but they he was gonna get MTV back. And so on the episode they bring back. They have Matt Pinfield's on it, Kurt Loaders on it, Tabitha Soren's Tabitha on it. And I think maybe one other from '90s VJ. Maybe Serena. And they also. go to like. No, I'm just yeah, I don't know. I don't know who it was. Dan Cortez. I don't know who who it was. But <laughs> they get the people together and they like go take over the studio and like we're we we're, we're, we're taking back, back MTV. <laughs> and it and it just kind of made me sad. I'm like, oh my god, that that was so cool. That we had MTV, yeah. even when they played bad music, it was still cool. And then I was at a casino recently, and I, we stayed the night there. Me and a bunch of friends stayed there, and we had, like, a, a suite. And someone just put on MTV as, like, background noise. And it was just I, ridiculousness. I talk, it was only over and ridiculousness and over and over. on the loop. <laughs> and also, on top of that, I was like, this isn't funny. Th- at, least, <laughs> at least if this was funny, this is, like – So it was it was less funny than America's Funniest Home Videos. It was like ridiculously unfunny. The magic
2: of MTV was like it was really like you pulled the the lever not to take it to the casino, but it's like you pull the lever when you turn it on. and You don't I mean, you don't know what's next. You it could be. I mean, granted, there were like segmented scheduled, you know, this is the rock hour, this is the rap MTV jams, this is the whatever. But like, you never knew what you were going to get, although obviously it's all programmed and curated, but like, it was like, especially 120 minutes. It's like, I can't even tell you how yeah. many bands I found only and never saw again, only because I saw them on 120 minutes. And it's like, I don't know that there's music discovery like that in the swipe world, you know? No. Well, and
3: in, in, I mean, there's, there's a lot of stuff that bums me out. About the as as Chris knows, like the the one person keeping every local UCD shop still in operation, like there there is this loss of you had to be overexposed to this stuff. Like I think that if I had just if someone sent me a Spotify link to Bound to the Floor by Local H and i just heard it that one time and then moved on i would not remember anything about the song but it was like turning on the radio when like going to school and it would come on or like watching MTV and seeing that video like the fact that i did not look up the video before recording this episode but i distinctly know what the video was like merry, because, like the spinning thing on yeah, the playground yeah yeah it's like those things that just sit in your brain and and i do i think that there's a loss to it. i i think that we are really in a worse place not having music videos be as important as they used to be because look at like what is arguably the best film of the last year with everything everywhere all at once like the daniels cut their teeth making music videos hey there's like
0: there's value and I never, I think when I was younger, I was like, oh, this is just a force-fed stuff on, you know, yeah. when you're a punk and whatever. But there's value to curation and there's value yes. to tastemakers. <laughs> and, it, you know, without them, we we kind of lose a lot. You know, Matt Pinfield, yeah. what a, I don't know, I have, I kind of think that he was part of the curation of that show. He is one of the most musically Gotta knowledgeable be. people in the world. And I, I think that there's real value in that. Like we should all write a thank you letter to that guy for how many cool bands and artists he exposed us all to. And it's kind it's kind of sad. Like get back to that Portlandia skit, I kind of feel like there's a chance that this the the younger generation of people, if they had the chance to see that, however they're they're exposed to it. I mean, even like when it got a little bit cheesy with like TRL and stuff like that whatever where it was a lot of boy bands and stuff but some punk rock bands and stuff would break into there There was- you
3: would still get those I remember I watched TRL every single week because at that time new metal was king and it was exciting to see like, is Corner Limp Biscuit going to knock Britney <laughs> Spears or the Backstreet Boys off the top spot? Like, it was right. like, let's see if this
2: happens. Yeah, I, uh, this sounds <laughs> crazy now because they became like staples of TRL and the biggest thing in the world, you know, the Family Values Tour or whatever. But for Corn, the fucking band Corn from Life is Peachy, to break <laughs> into the chart of the boy bands what felt like a rebellious moment it felt like this like oh we did like i remember i don't know how it like it was gathered that like we were all gonna vote for corn to get i I was told we all need to do this to get corn in the whoever fucking worked for whatever label that was interscope is a genius because yeah Yeah. i was fighting to get corn in the chart and then when it finally (laughs) happened i'm like what have we done
1: in that case, I pronounce you lucky.
2: Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
0: I'm not going to lie here. I've become a factor fanatic lately. I'm a busy guy and getting to eat restaurant quality meals that are ready to heat and eat in two minutes has been amazing. Eating better is easy with Factor's delicious, ready to eat meals. Every fresh, never frozen meal is chef crafted, dietitian approved, and ready to go in just two minutes. You have 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. And also, there are more than 60 add ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. I've been spreading the word to everyone I know, not just here on the podcast, but in person as well. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. You get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week, plus you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. And the math doesn't lie. Factor is less expensive than takeout, plus, considering every meal is dietitian approved, it's also nutritious and delicious. So what are you waiting for? Get started today by heading to factormeals.com/1hit50 and use the code 1hit50 to get 50% off. That's code 1hit50, the words one hit and the number 50 that is at factormeals.com/1hit50 to get 50% off.
1: Hey, one hit thunders, thunderheads, thunder buns. All right. I'll just go with one hit thunder listeners. This is Krista makes guitarist and vocalist for less than Jake and host of Krista makes a podcast, a songwriting podcast where every week, I'm joined by an amazing guest to break down the writing, recording and release of one iconic song that they have written in our giant evergreen back catalog of episodes. We've had rock legends such as Dee Snyder and Huey Lewis punk rock favorites such as Mark Hoppus, Fat Mike and Brett Gurwitz. Up-and-coming artists of today, such as Liz Stokes of The Beths and Genesis Owusu, and even some of the artists that have been featured on One Hit Thunder. The show is even produced by One Hit Thunder host Chris Fafalius. What more could you possibly ask for? Krista Makes a Podcast is available for free on all the places you listen to podcasts, and new episodes come out every Monday. I guarantee you'll like it, or we'll give you your money back.
3: This episode's great. We've really gone off the rails. Yes. I think we need to decide if just Yes, we're bound for the floor. I think... <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes.
0: Bound for the floor. Uh I I don't know. We'll start with you, suppose. Thunder or blunder? I think we know your answer.
2: Personally blunder. Uh as far Well no, no, you're going oh, the whole band. Oh, the Local whole band. H is a Absolutely band. Absolutely Thunder. She- Absolutely Thunder. Local H <laughs> yeah. is Thunder. I you say Bound for the Floor specifically, you know, not my favorite local H song, but Local H is Thunder. Catalog's deep. I highly recommend you check it out.
3: Same same boat. I mean, I I have a couple local H albums. I don't regret any of the purchases. Uh, and it's just, you. again, shout out to like, not only actually we completely glazed over this and it is worth shouting out. Not only was this a two-piece band, it was a multicultural two-piece band right. in a very white genre at the time. Sure. Like that alone, like that's fucking progressive without even attempting to be progressive. That was just You're like, right. he's the drummer that I like playing with. You know what I mean? Like that's fucking dope. But yeah, their music's great. Check them out. Even if you don't like Bound on the Floor, exposes a shining example that you can en- you can enjoy the rest of their back catalog.
0: It's a bad song. I would say that I wasn't too familiar with Local H, but I got mad respect for a fellow lifer. You know, like that. <laughs> just the dude just kept it going. He had his '90s moment, but then kept plowing along to the point where I referenced that. Which, once again, you can watch on YouTube. I referenced that Metallica contest they won, but. They did win a fan voted thing that I'm sure I'm sure there were a thousand bands trying to get on that. And that just says something to the popularity of Local H, even if they're not on some major label anymore, even if they're not on the, you know, on rock radio or on TV or anything that they've been they he Scott Lucas, I think we, we could say he uh, was able to maintain a career and maintain a fan base and i think that's all any of us be it spose punchline many of the artists we talk about on this show that's all we could ask is to be able to maintain a fan base and nurture that fan base and have a music career you know i think that's pretty awesome and
3: speaking of being a lifer before we sign off, suppose, I feel like every time I check your website, you've dropped like three more albums. What have you been What have you been up to uh, as, a, as a true lifer that's just constantly creating content?
2: The last album I dropped is this double, you know, my big double album, you know, jewel case, like Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness, my big tribute to <laughs> essentially 10, 11 year old me and all the music we're talking about. And I finally went to the the kind of alt rock. You know all the different genres of alt-rock that I've always wanted to tap into on the first disc and on the second disc I become Spose the rapper and then I struggle with that, you know And eventually so so that was my big concept album I put that out last year and still proud of that but um, since then just life happened and my the building my studio has been in for the past ten years got condemned and So I had to find something to entertain me. So I started teaching myself to paint um nice and i not to my own horn got pretty fucking good and uh now i really like painting too but i've been making um been making a bunch of music been playing a lot of guitar and kind of trying to remove a lot of pressure from myself that i've always had where i feel like oh you gotta put this out you gotta put out another album you gotta go on tour you gotta do this whereas in reality like thankfully my catalog kind of pays the bills uh and so i'm trying to like stop stressing and kind of chill and see what do happens it,
0: do it when you're inspired to do it right with, instead of feeling pressured to do it that's that's the ultimate yeah to do it when you're inspired right
3: yeah oh yeah man all right but, uh, well yeah go check out more suppose if uh, this is your first exposure hey. to him uh <laughs> yeah go
2: find me on spotify or youtube or whatever don't follow me on twitter because i just say crazy stuff and it doesn't play my music <laughs> <That's> <laughs> I was six years old in kindergarten when my parents got divorced it was the first time i heard the c word standing there on the porch and then we all went back inside we turned the radio way up high we were hoping for some better times kurt Cobain said whatever never mind
3: we were listening to the I was this has been one hit thunder one hit thunder is hosted by chris Othaios of the band's punchline pack and another cheetah and produced by matt kelly of geekscape.net Underneath me, you're hearing alternative radio by this week's guest, Spose. You can buy any of his albums at sposemusic.com. We're on Patreon now. Become a patron and get bonus content, early episodes, and a chance to vote on future episodes at patreon.com backslash OHTPodcast. Do you want to start a podcast? Contact Chris and myself at weknowpodcasting.com for how we can make your show sound as professional as possible. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to us on your favorite podcasting app, and tune in next week for more One Hit Thunder.
2: Girlfriend, we were in love. I mean, we never really spoke to one another, but we wrote each other notes and stuff. After school, she handed me one. It said, We're done, and it broke my world. On the school bus, I heard a Weezer song. It said, God damn, you have Japanese. Girl, she wasn't Japanese, but still. 15 years old, getting drunk at my homeboy Zagby's. We were quite fucked up off absolute vodka, and we listening to the pixies. Later on, I was vomiting That's when his mom walked in I got grounded for quite a long time I would do little hungover Where is my mind but the
0: even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life.
2: No purchase necessary. VGW, revoid prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Hey, this is Mike Wiebe, and I'm the singer in a band called The Riverboat Gamblers. And I'm Zach Blair. I play guitar in a band called Rise Against.
1: Mike and I also have a band called The Draculas, and we also have this great, amazing new podcast called Zach and Mike Make Three.